4: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
3: More twists, more turns in the Lamar Jackson saga with the Baltimore Ravens. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh with you. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well. At Amber W Sports. So Joe, another day, another Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson story. This time the Ravens called a press conference today. They had the head coach. They had the general manager. They had the director of player personnel available to the media. The media was told not to ask about Lamar Jackson, but they weren't told not to ask about quarterbacks. At this press conference, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens general manager, was asked a bunch of questions also about the availability of his quarterback. Here is Eric DaCosta.
0: Yeah, so those are, you know, I understand the need to ask those kind of questions. Uh, I think just out of respect for the process, this is a draft luncheon, and we're going to try to keep as much of this discussion as we can to the draft, to the coming weeks, building the best football team we can build. So I understand those questions. I think we've spoken about this situation probably five different times this spring in various different press conferences and such. So we're going to try to just kind of defer to those questions and move forward to the draft.
3: So that was him deflecting on a question where a reporter was asking if he has talked to Lamar and if he thinks that he's going to play next season. But I mentioned that they were allowed to ask about quarterbacks, even if they weren't allowed to ask about Lamar Jackson, because the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens seemed very willing to let the media know that drafting a quarterback might be an option for the Ravens in this upcoming draft. Can Joe hear me? Oh,
1: I can hear you. Oh! Okay. oh we, I thought you were throwing the more sound.
3: Oh no! I was setting uh-huh. you up. Oh! Like, yeah, I can hear happening? you just fine.
1: All right, so that one's on me. I'm going to start Freak by taking show your very. <laughs> I see that we have that one ready. Um, I'm going to start by taking your very professional setup to the show, and I'm going to derail it immediately because I want to address Fitz and I want to address the fact no. that he said, "If I know who's going to win, why don't I tell him?" I gave you UConn at seventeen to one. What more do you want from me, Fitz? Go back into your hole. We'll see you next Groundhog Day. Back to the issue at hand regarding the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. DaCosta, I'm sorry if you don't want to deal with these questions anymore, but you're going to continue to get them because people want to know what's going on. That's the story. It's the same thing the Packers have to deal with with Aaron Rodgers. It's the same thing you're going to have to deal with because you have a very unsettled, very popular conversation that's taking place around your part. And people want to know what you're going to do about it. So you say you'll consider drafting a quarterback. All right, I'm going to consider going for a long run tomorrow. Probably not going to do it, but considering doesn't mean a whole lot. If Baltimore doesn't get something done with Lamar Jackson and then they go into this draft and use what? Let's say a first, second round pick on a quarterback. What happens next? Now everyone knows they're probably going to trade him. So there goes their draft stock, right? There goes their capital. There goes their negotiating leverage. So maybe they draft somebody, but I would see it happening in the later rounds. Their plan is probably Tyler Huntley if it's not going to be Lamar Jackson. Huntley isn't that bad. He's shown flashes. He's not elite, but he can probably hold down the job for a small amount of time before they figure out what plan B is going to be, assuming Lamar Jackson is not back with the club.
3: That's pro bowler Tyler Huntley to you. That's true. Uh The Ravens have the 22nd pick in this upcoming draft in terms of the first round. That's going to be passed when any of those four big names that continuously get thrown around are going to be available. Maybe even throw Hendon Hooker into that conversation. But Eric DeCosta did say that he thinks that drafting a quarterback in the later rounds might be also the option for Baltimore here. Certainly, he strongly implied it. He said, quote, I don't want to insult anybody in the draft, but I would say there's probably more than four guys that can be significant quarterbacks in this league, in this draft class. He went on to say that, you know, he would consider maybe drafting a quarterback in the later round. He referenced what they did with Tyrod Taylor when they drafted him in the fifth round or sixth round years ago. He referenced uh, I believe, uh, as well, what the 49ers got out of Brock Purdy this season, drafting him in the late round. So there's a strong insinuation there that we're not necessarily looking first-round quarterback, but don't be surprised if we take a later-round quarterback. This could be them being transparent. It could be somewhat of a negotiating tactic, like, hey, Lamar, We can still go draft a quarterback and if you're holding our feet to the fire, we don't have a deal in place before this NFL draft here at the end of this month, then we're probably going to be looking to have a young guy that maybe we can build around in the future because there's a high probability that either he's not going to play this season because he's going to sit out or that the Ravens are going to end up in a situation where they're trading Lamar Jackson because they are never going to reach a deal with him.
1: I commend Jackson for standing by what he believes. Because you'd figure at some point, somebody would have budged here. But if that's what he wants to go with, if that's the path he's going to take, if he's willing to sit out, so be it. Do you. It's your career. It's your choice. Don't You don't have to listen to anybody. You can do whatever you want. For the Ravens, I find it fascinating if they'd be willing to go in another direction because they are built to win now. They had one of the best defenses in the NFL last season. They made a play at Darius Slay, the cornerback from the Eagles. Slay's come out and said he was close to signing with Baltimore, and then he went back to Philly. I know they haven't upped The wide receiving unit, Nelson Aguilar does not count for anyone who's watched Nelson Aguilar play. But they did go out and make an adjustment by bringing in the Georgia Bulldogs offensive coordinator to take over for Greg Roman, so they're trying to move in a new direction. But without Lamar Jackson, it's like, what's the point? Because Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to be solid. Deshaun Watson and the Browns, in my opinion, are going to be better than what we saw last year, and the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't had a losing season since Mike Tomlin took over. He's that consistent. It's a tough division, and if you're going out there with an elite defense and Tyler Huntley, what's going to happen this year is going to be the same thing that happened at the end of that Steelers game at the end of the regular season. You were leading the whole way, and then you lost because you can't find a way to score any points.
3: Tyler Huntley is probably going to mean a lost season. I just wonder if it's going to get really interesting here, even with that 22nd pick in the first round. I mean, if there is a world in which Anthony Richardson falls dramatically or Hendon Hooker falls, right? I mean, that's a quarterback that people haven't been spending much time on as we head towards this draft both of those guys have lamar jackson-esque qualities so would the ravens be looking at hey maybe we do end up taking one of those guys in the first round and then we really tell lamar forget it this deal is not going to be reached you would imagine that would be the message the second they drafted a quarterback that high that would be the message
1: i would imagine that richardson won't be there because of his upside will levis maybe he slides Uh, Hendon Hooker being there is most certainly a possibility and with Tyler Huntley as your starter you could let Hendon learn for a year before he takes over so that would make some sense but once you go ahead and use a first round pick on a quarterback the signal's been sent to the rest of the NFL that you're moving on from Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. so good luck getting a big return on investment because whoever trades for him is going to have to pay a monster contract and they're not going to want to give up a lot of picks on top of that when they know you're not going to play him anyway
3: Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, a huge game tonight between the Lakers and the Clippers. But what will the Lakers lineup look like? Uh, Might be missing some superstars. We will get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. Can Joe hear me?
4: Oh, I can hear you. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
0: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team.
3: So we've got a big one tonight in the Western Conference in the NBA. Both those teams that play in Los Angeles squaring off tonight has a huge effect on the standings as we head down the stretch here of the regular season in the NBA, which ends on Sunday. But first, before we get to that, Joe Fortenbaugh, he does what he does best on this show. He brings us the betting advice. We like to call it pizza money. Let's do it.
4: Pizza money alert.
3: Pizza, pizza.
1: A tradition unlike any other, the Masters begins tomorrow. So tonight's Pizza moneys, and we've got six of them throughout the course of the show, are all going to be golf-related. First, the recap of last night, another successful evening. We were 3-1, and one, plus 1. 1.9 units. Overall, as a show, 68-62, and 62, plus 14.8 units. We're on a heater. Let's keep it going. This is a first-round matchup bet which means tomorrow in the first round, there are two golfers that are going head-to-head against each other. I'm picking one to defeat the other. Doesn't matter what happens in round two, three, or four. It's all about round one. Scotty Scheffler, your defending champion, minus 115 over Rory McIlroy. I am shocked that Scheffler is this small of a favorite. He is number two on the PGA Tour in first-round scoring average. Rory is a notoriously slow starter. He ranks 121st on the tour in first-round scoring average, and that carries over to this specific golf course. Scheffler's three trips to the Masters, he's been under par in his opening round two times. McIlroy has been under par in just one of his last six opening rounds at Augusta. He's shot 73 or higher in four straight starts in the opening round. He's broken 70 just two times in 14 opening rounds at Augusta. Pizza Money number 1, Scotty Scheffler, Minus 115, first round over Rory McIlroy. These are the most important games the Lakers have played since they were in the 2020 finals. Can't be sent down at this time of year. Not with the money that you're making, not with a playoff birth on the line, not with championship aspirations supposedly in your window. They're protecting that right foot. So part of it is the training staff, but I think you've got to push all your luck. The way they played early in the season has left them no margin for error. And because of that, they can't take chances. They've got to go all for it, and that's the way it's got to be.
3: So a huge one tonight between the Lakers and the Clippers. The Clippers sit at number six in the, in the standings right now. In the West, the Lakers a seven seed. They enter this matchup with identical 41 and 38 records on the season. But there are on opposing sides here, Joe, of that All-important playoffs versus play-in line of demarcation because the Clippers own the head-to-head. So that's why right now they're in that sixth spot entering this matchup. The winner of this game will leap to number five, passing the Golden State Warriors. The loser of this game finds itself in a situation likely... In a play-in tournament. And so this game means a whole lot to these teams. And yet we're not sure if the superstars for the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be playing. They were playing last night on an overtime win against the Utah Jazz. Uh, That was, what, four games, I think, in six nights for the Lakers. We know that AD doesn't like to play back-to-backs. We know that LeBron is 38 years old and likes to protect his body. And so the Lakers are saying both of those guys are reevaluating whether they're going to be available for this basically must-win game.
1: Yeah, like usual, big round of applause to the NBA. Could be a huge game tonight, but we have no idea who's playing, and we're only a couple hours away. It's not the NFL. It's not that hard to figure out. I wish we could get this information sooner just so we could either get excited about it or not. Clippers are a three-point favorite. You mentioned the situation. Huge situational advantage for the Clippers here. There's absolutely no excuse to lose this game. They've been off for four days. They have had plenty of time to get rested, plenty of time to get healthy, plenty of time to get ready to win this game. The Lakers are in the exact opposite situation. Fifth game in eight nights, fourth game in six nights, second half of a back-to-back, and they went to OT last night. Right now... Reinforcements are on the way. D'Angelo Russell's listed as probable. Mo Bamba listed as probable for the Lakers. But it's LBJ and it's Anthony Davis both listed as questionable. There's some concern with Davis as to whether or not he's been medically cleared to play back-to-backs. So having played last night, you look at the situation tonight and you have to ask yourself, is he even going to get approval if he wants to go? If you're the Clippers, you got to figure all the motivation in the world. I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek, but let's be honest. If we know one thing about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's that they want to play as little basketball as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. As little basketball as humanly possible. So why would they want anything to do with the play-in? You have to get the most motivated effort of all time from those guys tonight, specifically so they can win this game and then hopefully go on to avoid the play-in.
3: Well, the Paul George is not playing tonight so because he's still dealing yep, stop with traffic. that knee sprain. So there you go in terms of these guys who don't like to play basketball uh, or certainly always seem injured anyways. Kawhi Leonard is playing tonight according to the injury report. So we will at least get one of the superstars in this matchup. I understand that it's important to take care of your body, but this is a do-or-die game. I mean, if the Lakers find themselves in a situation where they could be In the eight spot, in a play-in scenario, you can't be feeling great about a one-and-done scenario Just generally speaking, like neither of those teams, the Clippers are in the same situation. The Clippers also don't want to find themselves in that seventh or eighth spot and in a play-in type scenario to qualify for a postseason. Both of these teams want to make it into the postseason and not have to face a do or die situation because it hasn't gone well for either of these teams in the past when they face that situation. But it's such a shame that we could be talking about not just Anthony Davis sitting... Because I guess if he's not medically cleared for back-to-backs, like that would be one thing. But short of that, you got to get out there for this game. And even LeBron, I know you're 38, and I know that you're saving your body for the long run. Obviously, you've done a remarkable job at it. Look at the clip that you're still playing at in your late 30s. You know what you're doing better than anybody. But it just seems like here... You're also trying to live to see another day and that your team really, really needs you. When your team really needs it, you, you got to be out there on that court.
1: I mean, I guess the thought process is you're three and a half up on Oklahoma City. So worst case scenario, you just go through the play-in. Maybe it's a little bit harder because you're a 9-10 seed rather than a 7-8. But I mean, if you can avoid that, you get a whole week off, essentially. A whole week off before you have to worry about the playoffs starting next weekend. Why would you want to have to deal with these playing games? But then the counterpoint to that is, well, if you go out tonight, it's the second half of a back-to-back, and your body's so fragile, and you end up getting hurt in this game, what's the point? Because if you're injured, you're not going to be able to win without the two stars anyway. So I can see it both ways. I just wish we were at a point with this sport where we got more competition. We have less competition in this sport than almost any other sport on the planet. There are so many off nights. There are so many big games that never materialize because one team's playing its third game in four nights and they want to rest their stars. Think about Golden State at the end of that East Coast road trip. They had a big matchup with Cleveland. Eh, we're not going to play our guys because I think they had beaten Boston the night before. And then you had the big matchup that should have been Giannis versus Nikola Jokic. That didn't materialize. Then last week you had Embiid versus Jokic. That didn't materialize. All because you have to deal with rest. I get it. You want to rest these guys. You want to get ready for the playoffs. But, like, at some point, it'd be fun to get excited about one of these games. This is a game we should be getting excited about. Wanted to get excited about Philly and the Celtics last night. And then immediately Jalen Brown is ruled out of that game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if Philly wins it, big deal. It's not like the Celtics were at full capacity.
3: Here's the thing. Right now it's not hitting the bottom line of the television deals and the NBA has continuously grown in popularity over the last 25 years. And those television deals have gotten larger. And so those television deals, everybody's getting paid. Everything trickles down. The players are getting paid. Nobody's feeling it yet in the pocketbook. And there's some debate whether they will, but it's just inconceivable for me to look at the product and think if you continue to damage the product, it's an entertainment product. If every other night you're sucking the entertainment out of the product then it's going to end up costing you eyeballs. And it might not be this year. And it might not be in five years. And it might not even be in 10 years. But just ask baseball. You don't want to lose eyeballs. You don't want to, over generations, be then scrambling to try to get the next generation's attention because they've fallen out of favor with your game. And I really genuinely believe the NBA has a problem on its hands. It is not a problem in 2023, but it will be a problem moving forward. If the product continues to suffer Because we don't get these matchups And we don't get these must-win games With the superstars actually showing up And we don't get the names Playing on the court The names that we show up to the arenas to see, frankly And the names that we turn on our televisions to see Because that is a star-driven sport That is how that sport has always been It's how that sport has grown Coming up next What's your good luck charm? We'll get into it Joan Ambers on ESPN Radio You can also listen to us on the ESPN app
4: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
3: Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. We'll get to the sound over the last 24 hours that we need to react to. But first, Joe's going to try to earn you a little bit more money.
4: Pizza money alert.
3: Pizza, pizza.
1: It's an all-masters edition. We led the show with Scotty Scheffler, minus 115, over Rory McIlroy in round one tomorrow. Pizza Money number two, Phil Mickelson to be the low-scoring senior. There are eight golfers in this tournament who are listed as seniors. Phil Mickelson, Mike Weir, Jose Maria Olazabal, Vijay Singh, Fred Couples, Larry Mize, Sandy Lyle, and Bernard Longer. All right? Mickelson to be the best of that group is plus 120, It should not be plus money. He should be the odds-on favorite. He's 52 and he's not playing well, but look at his competition. Mike Weir's 52. He's missed the cut here in seven of his last eight starts. Jose Maria Olathabal... 56. He's missed the cut in six of his last seven starts. Vijay Singh's 59. He's missed the cut in six of his last seven. Fred Couples is 63. He's missed the cut in four straight. Larry Mize is 64. He's missed the cut in five straight. Sandy Lyles is 65. He missed the cut in eight straight. Bernard Longer is 65 years old. He's missed the cut in two straight. Shocked Phil is in odds on. Phil Mickelson, low senior player. At the Masters, plus 120.
4: They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber.
3: Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. The Nuggets had a chance to clinch the West's top seed last night with a win over the Rockets, but instead MVP candidate Nikola Jokic only had 14 points and Denver lost to the second worst team in the NBA by 21. And to no one's surprise, Nuggets coach Mike Maloney was not happy with the performance
4: soft soft they dominated us kicked their ass in the glass that's all we talked about all day that's all we talked about before the game you know um, we had a chance to uh, to clinch number one tonight and we talked about it this morning you know the opportunity at hand we definitely did not take that opportunity seriously because the way we played tonight was uh it's unacceptable playing like that this late in the year but that's how we're going to play we'll be out in the first round easy
3: so frustration there, we bring in James Steele. You know a little something about frustration with <laughs> yeah. your hosts, particularly today, because we're firing uh, on all cylinders today, mm-hmm. me and Joe. Just bang up, Mike Joe. Maloney. Bang up, job. Yeah. I saw mm-hmm. this one and send it to the bosses.
2: <laughs> all right. So <laughs> I don't know what's happening today? Oh, man. <clears throat> Hold on. I got to gain my composure.
3: Can Joe <laughs> hear me? Oh, I can hear you. <laughs> All right, that so, was earlier in the show. Joe, if you yeah. missed that debacle, you can <laughs> check out the podcast on the ESPN app.
2: All right. So, Joe, not a great loss heading into the home stretch for the Nuggets. Is there more pressure on Denver to win a title this year than any other team in the NBA?
1: Oh, I don't think there's much pressure on them at all, to be honest. I don't think anyone takes them all that serious. I think they're a, regi- a, a regular season champion. Congratulations. But they're limping into the playoffs. They, they're 6-8 and eight over their last 14 And Malone has had to call out this team more than once over the last couple months of the season. It's clear he doesn't like what he sees. They look like a team that's running out of gas. So while they're the one seed, I don't think there are a whole lot of people taking them seriously for the championship. Like, if they don't win, it's not going to surprise anyone. I'd say more pressure on KD and the uh, Phoenix Suns. I'd say there's probably more pressure on whoever ends up winning the East. Those three teams. I mean, Philadelphia has a lot of pressure just to get past the second round. I'd say there's more pressure on Philly to get to the conference finals than there is for the Nuggets to do anything.
3: The only reason you're right is because of the market that Jokic plays in. But other than that, there should be a ton of pressure on this Denver Nuggets team. And there should be a lot of pressure on Nikola Jokic. I mean, you're talking about the guy that people are saying might win his third back-to-back MVP. And there's what, four people that would, I think, or would he be one of four? Uh, there's like three or four other dudes in NBA history that have done that, the likes of the Larry Bird's of the world. And that's the conversation that we may have to throw Jokic into. And yet he's not even getting near a title. There's pressure on the team that's been sitting atop the Western Conference standings all season long. There just is, or there certainly should be. And then although I understand the lights are going to be brighter with some of those other names that you just mentioned and some of those other franchises that you mentioned, the Nuggets should not skate here. There certainly should be. This is a healthier Nuggets team. He had the excuse of health last season. He doesn't have the excuse of the health issues around him this season. Tyreek Hill, as we all know, was traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins last offseason where he had a great year, but ultimately watched his old quarterback and his old team. Wow. If James Steele didn't write this intro, I don't know who did. Uh, Ultimately watched his old quarterback and his old team win their second Super Bowl in four years. But Miami will make a trip to Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, it was so unnecessary, like the second one Wait, in four what? years, it was so unnecessary to put that factoid you in there.
2: Act like, you act like uh, I wrote that.
3: You, but, but you did, in fact. Oh. Miami will make a trip to Arrowhead Stadium in the 2023 season, and Tyreek told Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City what to expect from this matchup.
2: Chiefs
0: Keenan, when the Miami Dolphins come to Arrowhead Stadium this year, guess what we gonna do? Guess what we gonna do? <laughs> I hate the thought the peace sign against y'all. I hate to do it. But guess what? I'm gonna be you all worst enemy that day. I'm gonna be you all worst enemy hey, that day. We're, we're you let better hear change
2: that? the signals. I know every signal y'all got.
3: <laughs> Tell him Tyreek. All right. All right, James. What yeah,
2: do you want Yeah, so uh yeah, I mean, remember when this guy was saying like gassing up Tua, calling Tua the most accurate quarterback he's mm-hmm. ever played with and
3: I mean he looked then, like it the first half of this past season then, before Tua got injured. But then
2: but then I think something like his old quarterback won an MVP nah. and then his old team won a Super Bowl.
3: His old quarterback was on the without, field the entire season. Without
2: him? Is there a without question him? here or is oh. this just
1: the Chiefs resume right uh, now?
3: Um Thank you, Joe.
2: No, yeah, do you remember that? This is like that Chris Farley thing. You remember? Yes. <laughs> remember? <laughs> Uh, that was awesome. I
3: I wouldn't I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't was, say it that awesome. it happened quite exactly that way. I would yeah. say say that Tyreek still had an excellent season. In Miami, and he had an excellent season in Miami where they were rotating quarterbacks down the stretch every other play because every single quarterback in the Dolphins quarterback room was injured. And for him to have put up the numbers that he put up in Miami is truly and genuinely remarkable when he left that guy that everybody praises so much in Kansas City. And he was still putting up better numbers than he was in KC. When Tua was throwing him the football, by the way.
1: I got to say, I know you wrote this up, James, as a joke with, remember when this guy was saying Tua was the best or most accurate? I think that gives him credibility with what he's saying this year. Last year when he was hyping up Tua, everybody was mocking him and laughing at him. Everybody was saying the only reason he's saying that is because he got paid in Miami and this is his new quarterback. ESPN kept running that highlight of of training camp when they had mm-hmm. that underthrown deep ball and we were supposed to – be impressed by that. And then Tua went out and had the best season of his career by a mile. So obviously Hill was on the something there because the kid played really well when he wasn't hurt. So if he had that to say last year and he has this to say this year, he's got some credibility with these predictions, in my opinion. I'm not getting in his way.
3: This segment certainly turned on you, didn't it, James? No. I he just was think right they're last gonna, year.
2: They're going to they're gonna go into Arrowhead and get beat. That's if all. you
3: say so. We will see a healthy Tua. I'd be scared if I was there.
2: I'm terrified of a healthy Tua. The
3: UConn Huskies put on one of the most dominant NCAA tournament performances in history. What was the key to their success? UConn head coach Dan Hurley says it was all in the underwear.
4: Yeah, no, a lot of questions about uh, the the MeUndi situation uh, (laughs) with the Dragons. Um, Listen, I got people to, you got to understand the Dragons are not undefeated. Um, they just went into the, uh, NCAA tournament with the best overall record. Uh, and they were going up against, um, the Sharks and the, and the Wolves underwear. So I had my, I had one of our GAs just go back and, and just put together the wins and losses. Uh, and then obviously I rode the hot hand in the tournament.
2: I I love this.
3: It's I mean, it's this insanity. is amazing. Yeah. Wait, this is. Can you imagine? I don't mean to interrupt your question yes. here, Joe or James, but can you imagine? I'm James. Well, you're Jay, again, James, Joe, it's very confusing. They put me on a you know, show with two J's. Uh, Can you imagine if you're the GA, like you've spent, you know, your whole life, you're dreaming of like, I'm going to climb the ladder one day. I'll be a coach. I'm going to get my foot in the door. I start as a graduate assistant here. I'm so excited to have this job. And then your job becomes <laughs> tallying up the underwear usage of the, of the coach to find out what's the luckier underwear.
2: Underwear analytics. T- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Under- an- yes,
3: job. underwear analytics. That becomes your job, just as you have dreamed it from elementary school and on
2: i love it uh so dragon the dragon undies were uh were the hot hand were the good luck charm for dan hurley joe what's your good luck charm
1: my um four-year-old so the second of my two sons rubbing his head in crucial spots where you need a third down stop or you need Mm. a field goal. When he was born, he was born in late November, and the Eagles were defending the Super Bowl that year. So in the playoffs, they got back to the playoffs. Nick Foles was starting at quarterback again. They played Chicago in the first round. My mom was in town helping us. We were living in San Francisco at the time, and she's a huge Eagles fan. So my wife's getting some rest, and we have the baby out as we're watching the game against Chicago. And we were rubbing his head for good luck right before the double doink. And then a double doink happened, so Philly advanced. So then the next week, my mom's still in town, late in the game against the New Orleans Saints. We needed, like a, we needed another missed field goal from New Orleans so that Philly could have a chance to go down the field. We're rubbing his head again. They miss another field goal. Philly has another ch- chance. Now, there was an interception thrown. I think Alshon Jeffrey didn't run the right route, whatever, so the game ended. But since that day, rubbing Wyatt's head has been my good luck charm. Well,
3: that's not going to be annoying for Wyatt at all when he's like 16 years old. He
1: has no say. He has no say in the matter. <laughs> Talking about mojo here.
3: Get the hell off me, Dad.
1: <laughs> Mojo's more important than his comfort.
3: Stop messing up my hair. I have ladies to impress. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Do, you can you find him. Do not have him. a
2: good luck charm. Or... Um,
3: I really, I, I don't really. So I was just skipping past that question. I mean, I, I really don't like. I have some items that I covet that are very special to me, but I don't have anything that I. Rub during a this is that's uh-huh. bizarre you don't have to, turn. It have to be a bizarre turn. I don't have I don't have anything Crazy? that I need with me, like when I'm you know watching the Gators play football or something, and that their wins are dependent on that. Do, I can't say you know, that I have something like that. Like, I, I
2: I have I, a lot of
3: inherited items from my mother that are very special to me.
2: It was uh, I, I took me a long time to figure out what shirt to wear on Super Bowl Sunday.
1: Of course, yeah.
3: and there you go. And that Joe ended and up Amber. being the difference. It was, and, and it helped. The Chiefs
1: it won did. because James picked the right I picked shirt. the right shirt. Uh,
3: yeah, I don't think that's how it works. I, just,
2: I labored over it. I mean,
3: uh-huh. it were, uh-huh. there were
2: like four Freak on the Freak
1: show. Yeah. We're getting a lot but of you it. said of that one today.
3: Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. We continue fourth. Did Joel Embiid win the MVP race last night? We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app.
4: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
3: Theoretically speaking, the MVP race between Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo will be decided here over the next few days as we round out the regular season. However, maybe it was decided last night. We'll get into that in just a moment, but first, Joe's going to earn you a little bit more money.
4: Pizza money alert.
3: Pizza, pizza.
1: Masters Edition, Pizza Money number one, Scotty Scheffler over Rory McElroy, minus 115 in round one. Pizza Money number two, Phil Mickelson to be the low senior, plus one twenty. And now number three, old Tiger Woods. Yes, to make the cut, minus one sixty. I know what you're thinking, wow, how's he gonna make the cut? He's old, doesn't play that well. He has the the morning tea time Thursday and the afternoon tea time Friday, which means he's probably gonna get hit with the weather. Augusta is not like a normal event that has 150, 160 golfers. There's only like 88 guys in the field, and the top 50 plus ties make the cut. You also have a lot of old guys in this event. Jose Maria Olazabal, Mike Weir, Sandy Lyle, the list goes on and on. You also have some amateurs, and then you also end up having guys that are there for the first time, and they're in completely over their head. It doesn't take a miracle to make the cut. Tiger Woods was one under after the first round last year, and he was just one over at when he got to the weekend. So he made the cut. Now, it fell apart after that, but we don't need a Herculean effort here to make the cut at the Masters, a place where he's done very, very well and should be healthier and in better shape this year than he was last year. So Pizza Money number 3, Tiger Woods, yes, makes the cut, minus 160.
4: Joel one on one spins by one man down the lane and a slam. He eats up the rim. A two half stuff. A quick turn. Catch it to go. And a dunk. 50 for it. beam. I'm biased, but the MVP race is over.
3: Joan Ambers presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in to NBA action tomorrow night. As the Sixers host the Heat. Presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9 30 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM channel 80 so the mvp race we expect between is between jokic mbide and antetokounmpo however things have started to take shape let's just say Last night in particular, Embiid put up a 50-point performance or a 52-point performance, rather, against the Boston Celtics. That was his third 50-point performance of the season. And coming off of that game last night, his coach, Doc Rivers, was at the mic. He said, this race is over.
4: The MVP race (laughs) is over. I, I'm really like tonight we had we couldn't make shots. We had guys making shots uh, would open shots. The man just scored half our points in the NBA game. Um, and I'm biased. But the MVP race is over.
3: So Doc Rivers calling it already. He was also this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, our morning show here on ESPN radio. They asked him, what made you say that this race is over?
4: The 52 points were huge. Uh, the efficiency, 20 for 25, the rebounds, the assists, uh, the game-changing shots defensively. You know, you're sitting there as a coach, and you say, this is what an MVP looks like to me. And so that's why I said it. And and what else helped me say it, I guess, is when we walked in the locker room, all the players were, were saying it. So uh, it, it was almost it was almost like, you better go out here and say this, coach, because it's true.
3: Is it over, Joe? Is he right? It's
1: 100% over. If you look at the odd shift in Vegas after what happened last night, Joel Embiid was a minus 240 favorite to win the MVP before the game. That means you had to risk $24 to win $10. That price is now minus 900, meaning you have to risk $90 to win $10. It's over. And that's great for Embiid because he's going to become the fifth 76er alongside Wilt Chamberlain, Dr. J, Moses Malone, and Allen Iverson to win the award. And for Embiid, it's been a long time coming. He deserves everything he gets from this. I want to go back to Rivers, going around talking about how this is over. It ain't over. It ain't over for you. It might be over for him in his individual quest to win this award. It ain't over for you or your team when it comes to the playoffs. You just had Joel Embiid drop 52 points on 25 shots. He was 20 of 25 against a Celtics team that didn't have Jalen Brown. You were at home, and you won that game by two points. That's the standout story for me. And I know we should be focusing on Embiid and how great he is and how he's going to win the MVP. He deserves it. Everything he has done this year has been phenomenal. He is getting that award. He deserves that award. But Rivers and the Sixers have got some problems on their hand, and they better clean it up by the time they get to the second round of the playoffs or it's going to be another one win, one loss, out of the postseason like it has been for, what, for the last five years, I believe. Mm-hmm.
3: I would say that Joel winning the MVP will actually turn up that heat on Doc Rivers, right? And on the 76ers squad because... He was the runner-up for the MVP the last two seasons. If he actually wins one, it's really like, yo, Embiid's doing everything he can. He's playing the best basketball he's ever played in his career. You have the most valuable player in the entire league on your team, and you still can't get anything done in the postseason. And so I agree with you. I do think that Doc Rivers is is in a bit of a pressurized situation. I Just love how the narrative shifts, though, with the MVP race. Like in February, it was a lock for Jokic, right? Like a lock, a lock, lock. I mean, there was the answer to Kumpo. He'd missed time during the season. He wasn't even really part of the conversation, frankly. And then Embiid, you know, he was far behind Jokic. There wasn't a ton of noise arguing for Embiid. Then Embiid got hot and the Denver Nuggets started to slip and things started to change. And then the momentum seemed to swing towards Joel Embiid. And then he decided not to play against Nikola Jokic in what should have been that head-to-head matchup between those two, Joe, and the odds switched back to Jokic. And everyone thought Embiid just cost himself the MVP not playing in that one game because it appeared that he was scared of the matchup. And now here we are after one more game saying, oh, well, now it's over. He won it.
1: I want to point something out. This award is all about recency bias. Nikola Jokic's three best games from a scoring perspective. 43 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists. 41 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. 40 points, 27 rebounds, 10 assists. You know what those three games all had in common? They all took place in December. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about those games anymore. They only care about what happens now. These games are weighted far more heavily than the previous games
3: right and Embiid's putting up 52 the very last week of the season and i guess because of that he probably will get the mvp coming up next the ravens just don't want to talk about lamar anymore we'll get into that espn radio is also on the espn app
4: joe and amber the podcast